0: Hello.
1: to share your heritage or traditions.
0: If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and G&F Financial Group. Good afternoon and welcome to Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast. Today is our first broadcast of a series of March broadcasts that will focus on International Women's Month, where the theme is breaking the bias. And all of us know something about breaking the bias. And we are going to have uh, special presentations by people during this uh, month. But each of you will also have a prompt. And the prompt today is when we get to introducing ourselves, if you have a quote for Women's Day or a special thought to share that. I am happy to say and grateful to say that our work takes place on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people. We stand with them in believing that there will be a reconciliation of their properties uh, in our lifetime. So starting right with the first person that came on, we'll have Leslie introduce herself.
2: Okay. Uh, hi Charlotte, I'm Leslie Hebert, and I'm sorry, I couldn't think of a quote. I just threw a blank on that one. Um, I thought of, is uh, it Rita Franklin, I uh, respect R E S P E C T?
0: Yes, <laughs> it's yes. a good quote. <laughs> uh, Ramona?
1: Hi, so I'm Ramona Srinivasan. Um, a retired professor from Bombay University, and happy to be a woman and here today with all of you. <clears throat> and, and I was just trying to find out a quote when Leslie mentioned it. And so I'm going to go with Mother Teresa, whom I admire a lot. And she says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many
0: ripples. Wow!
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. It was so true of her life.
1: <laughs> right. um, nice. Profula. Um, hi, uh, um, my name is Profula Vyas, and I live in Milton. And uh, at present, I can't think of any quote, but I can only, only say for myself that I'm not just a cook
0: ah uh-huh. okay. <laughs>
1: people think women are good cooks, you know, and nothing else. So I just thought that might be kind of interesting to talk about. Oh, thank you. Um, Anna? Yes, I'm Anna, and um, I'm very proud that I was, I grew up in the Philippines. And I'm very, very proud that I have a father who, who thought that um, women are equal that he did not hold us back from uh, doing what we wanted to do and actually he encouraged us to do professional work. Yeah, yeah considering that he was, uh, you know, he grew up in the Philippines, he's from the Philippines and he was quite old when I was growing up. I thought he was quite progressive.
0: Very good, thank you. <laughs> now, Neil has written many poems about his his mother and
3: motherhood, uh, introduce yourselves. <laughs> Well, I I'm, I'm missed the part of uh, come on with a quote, uh, but I have a poem that I'm going to read today called, Who is She to You? And I have uh, delivered a signed copy to the Safe, uh, Save on Foods in New Westminster, and this is in the women's locker room. So I'm going to read this. And obviously, I'm a poet, uh, old guy, happy camper, and uh, I'm quite proud of the fact that I'm an international. and I'm not just a Canadian citizen. I'm an international of the world. So, Anna Kamostaka. <laughs> well I' so uh, I also speak pretty good Chinese and and Ukrainian oh please may may the may the energies of the world heal the wound that Ukraine has got right at this moment so absolutely uh, uh, which means that I'll see you again so. Anyway, happy to be here. All
0: right. Thank you. Uh, Next is going to be Rosemary, who is our featured presenter today. I'm going to (laughs) share this uh, thought from International Women's Month, which is, imagine a gender-equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination. Together, we can forge women's equality. If collectively, we can all break the bias. And... Of the different biases we're talking about this this month, one is uh, age-related bias. Next week we have two people uh, that will be talking about as entrepreneurs. We will be talking about health bias, and the point is, it's not stopping with where we've observed it, but the things that people are doing that are breaking those biases. So Rosemary, you could introduce yourself and (laughs) start
4: us off with age. Uh, Well. I actually have two quotes. Oh, so first of all, um, my name is Rosemary, as Charlotte mentioned, and I am the Senior Services Coordinator at 411 Senior Center. Uh, my area of responsibility is the center's information and referral services. And the, I actually, uh, while you were talking, I was uh, about the femin- feminist quotes. Um, two of them came to mind for me immediately. And they're two of my favorite quotes in the whole wide world. Uh, one of them is if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. And that is uh, a quote. Uh, it's actually not a quote. It's a paraphrase based on a a, a, a story where it's by Emma Goldman and Emma Goldman, uh, was, uh, uh, feminist activist, activist and anarchist, um, in the late uh, 19th, very early 20th century in Europe. And the story goes that she was out at a dance one evening. And uh, one of her cousins, uh, who was also an activist with her in, in political activism, came over to her while she was dancing vigorously and having a great time at this dance to remind her that she had some important meeting the next day. And it wasn't very becoming of her to be acting out in this way in public because, you know, she's a political representative. She's someone, you know, who people look up to for leadership and stuff. And she apparently said, well, you know, I, I'm going to keep dancing. And it's along the lines of, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolutions. if, If I can't dance, then it's not on. And she basically chastised him for interrupting her dancing and suggested that, yeah, if she wasn't, If her dancing was unseemly, then perhaps she shouldn't be a revolutionary. My other favorite quote about feminism is, well-behaved women never make history. Mm. And that uh, quote is from Laurel Thatcher Ulrich, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning historian. And I think she nailed it on the head. We don't hear about the well-behaved women. We hear about the ones who stirred the pot, shook the tree, All those important things that advance uh, the rights and dignity of women. And that is very much tied in with ageism, which is the subject I've been asked to speak about today. Ageism is probably the last bastion of discrimination that is endorsed. In the sense that we have laws, rules, policies, as well as social uh, practices that rather than challenging ageism, tend to reinforce it. So uh, an example is the BC Human Rights Code does not, uh, ha- has all kinds of prohibitions about discrimination, but it actually permits forced retirement at age 65. You, you cannot, if you, if you are in a job where you are forced to retire at age 65, because that is the, company policy or the industry standard or whatever, you have no claim against the BC human rights code on the basis of age discrimination. So that's an example of how it's actually endorsed. It's enshrined in our legislation. Ageism ultimately I think stems from an overall lack of respect for elders. I am not a historical expert on the subject, but I suspect that we didn't see as much discrimination and poor treatment of elders in past generations as we are seeing as we have seen more in the say the late 20th century and up until now because in especially in a in a pre-industrial culture elders would have been the carriers of all the wisdom and knowledge of a society um, to disregard them would be to disregard your entire society and culture and you were absolutely reliant on your elders to pass on history knowledge skills that you couldn't go and look up on the internet or read in a book, you have to engage with them in order to learn these things. And of course, with industrialization, and now with multimedia, we can find out all kinds of stuff without asking our elders. Doesn't necessarily mean that the information is good or accurate. But we can Google Google stuff. And we think we know it all. So why? Why? What do we need these people for? We've got the internet, we've got it all figured out. A lot of the assumptions that are are foundational to ageism are uh, that elders automatically have a lack of mental or emotional capacity. They're slow. They just don't pick things up as quick as the rest of us. Yeah, they they're just they're not their their brain their minds aren't as quick. So we really don't want to burden them with too much information because they're slow. They are an uninformed group of people because they're not listening to the latest pop music or wearing the latest fashions or watching the hit new hit comedy on TV, or they might be doing all these things, but we assume that they're not. And therefore we assume that they are generally uninformed about the world altogether, not just about pop fashions or music. They are unaware of what's going on around them. You know, that gets back to that slow thing. So, you know, a grandmother sitting quietly in her chair observing what's going on around her is assumed to not be listening, assumed to not be processing, assumed to not have thoughts or opinions on what everyone around her is talking about and doing or saying. And the elderly in our society are often considered to be disposable. And I, I think you know uh, our um, long-term care system illustrates that perfectly. I actually tend to refer to our long-term care care system in our elder care system as people decline in in, in old age as more of a warehousing of people than a a care system. The impacts for women who, as they age in terms of ageism, tend to be more severe because they get compounded by sexism. So a lot of the, the judgments that elder men suddenly encounter, they're being dismissed as being slow or Unaware or lacking capacity is probably a new experience for a lot of men as they age. Unfortunately, it's not a new experience for women. We, we're used to being dismissed, we're used to being disregarded. We're used to not being believed when we when we speak our truths. But the other thing that happens with ageism for women is we become erased as people. Our sexuality is removed, especially if we're postmenopausal because if women can't have babies, what use are they, right? So all of the the limitations and the assumptions about elders are usually deeper and more severe assumptions when they're applied to women because they're compounded by the existing sexism in the society. Another way that ageism definitely impacts seniors is the push to digitize everything government services that we used to be able to rely on to access by going to an office in person or picking up the phone or maybe writing a letter. These services are increasingly only being offered via the internet, via email, via websites where you have to upload documents and click on links and fill in digital forms. And there often isn't an alternative means of service. You know, you, when you phone the agency and go, well, you know, I'm working with someone who doesn't have a computer. How can they access your services? They're like, uh, "What do you mean they don't have a computer?" <laughs> They're like, "Well, they don't, yeah. yeah, but they still need to apply for X, Y, Z benefit, or they still need to register for X, Y, Z service." And um, it's really funny and not so funny sometimes to hear the the puzzlement at the other end of the phone that. There's a, an adult in the world who doesn't have a computer or doesn't know how to use email or doesn't even care to have email. I know people who are perfectly capable of operating a computer, who absolutely understand what email is. They just don't want it. It's annoying. They'd rather not communicate that way. And so when we digitize everything, we first of all, we remove that choice of, I've decided I don't want to communicate with people by email. That choice becomes removed because often that is that becomes a primary means of engagement, not just for government services, but for civic engagement. If you want to participate in city council meetings with the city of Vancouver, uh, you can go in person. But the other means, the primary means of accessing them is via by going online. So it's not just about access to services. It's about opportunities for engagement and gathering and connection. So what the digital divide has done for seniors is actually increased their isolation and increased how much they're left out of the calculations when different governments, for example, or organizations are making plans about how to engage with uh, their community. They don't consider anything outside of a computer. They don't consider... Things like how far their offices are from a bus stop and how it might be difficult for a senior to walk those five blocks from the nearby bus stop to their office. And and these are all kinds of things that don't get taken into consideration by social planners, by government policy people. Or even sometimes, you know, people such as myself who are just working in a community based social service office, like 411, I mean, obviously, because we're 411, we're always focused on that. But colleagues of mine working in other agencies might not twig to certain supports that would benefit seniors. Are you asking people to stand up and line up like the food bank does, for example? The food bank requires people to stand outside and line up to get food. But if you're a senior or a person with disabilities, that could be very challenging for you. Especially if it's a long line, like the depot right near our office here, where you can see people standing in line for an hour or so. And but you know, again, if you want to access that, you need to persevere. Is kind of the attitude. So the, there's lots of examples of how ageism manifests in our society, and I think what it is ultimately reflective of is the fact that seniors haven't been, of late, counted among the greater society as people who are active and contribute to society and they don't get the respect as a social group as carriers of wisdom and knowledge that they used to get in cultures all around the world there's we see less and less of that particularly in the west i don't know if there's anything else
0: what are some of the things that you are doing at 411 Center? What are some of the ways that you've seen women, in
4: particular, pushing back against these biases? From my own past experience um, working as a feminist in feminist organizations, the usually the most successful way to push back against biases is is to group, is to gather with like. Uh, people who are suffering the same form of discrimination as you are, because one thing I know for sure is that women share stories. We share information with each other, whether as young women, we were warning each other about stay away from that guy over there. He's a total creep, (laughs) which is, you know, trust me, guys, we've been warning each other about creepy guys forever. It's always comes as a shock to men that we, we actually know who the creeps are, (laughs) but that as we age, that information exchange might be different. In fact, one of the myths of ageism is that uh women of a certain age cannot uh be victims of sexual assault because they're not sexual.
5: Mm.
4: So uh and we know, I know personally that of uh, women who have been sexually assaulted in old age. So again, that that's another aspect of ageism is when we dehumanize people and 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 sexuality is part of our humanity, when we remove those. Uh, concepts from our perception of people,, uh, we stop seeing things, ills or injustices that are done to them because we just don't think it can happen. But I think the greatest strength is for women to gather to share their strategies with each other, how they have dealt with different situations that they've encountered, where they know that they are being disregarded because of their age. Sharing tactics and strategies. That's I would say it's foundational to any form of resistance against any form of discrimination because until you come together to share those stories with each other and the strategies and tactics that have worked for you you could be believing that you're the only one you're you're in isolation you internalize the ism so you oh I must be a doddering old fool because everybody treats me like one and then all of a sudden you realize that no it's not it it's not just you who's being treated like a doddering old th- fool it's every age peer of yours who is experiencing this too. And when you start to share these stories, uh, it breaks the isolation, which is the first step. And then it gives you the emotional support as well as just the support of having tactics and strategies to respond. And it also creates a community that you can reach out to in moments when uh, you need backup or just emotional support because you had a crap day because someone decided to treat you like you were a doddering old fool. (laughs)
0: No. <laughs> what do you think, Emma?
1: Well, first of all, I think everybody has the responsibility to keep up with uh, with what is required. Like uh, you can't ask the government to do everything or any organization to do this. I think we have to the responsibility also to do what we can to live in mm-hmm. in such environment. And also another thing, I understand that. Uh, some senior citizens, women or men,
4: are not uh, for gas. I mean, internet is expensive. And that's part of the digital divide right there. They can't afford it. Yeah, that's
1: right. But it happens for to women and men too, isn't it? Men uh, are also just receiving
4: a pension or
1: OAS or whatever, same as women.
4: Mm -hmm. No, I never said this was exclusively female. I just really Uh pointed out that sexism makes it worse for women because they're already existing as women from day one in a society that has um, a misperception of them and their agency. And then when you become a senior woman, you just get erased even more because now you're you're desexualized and you get all those other assumptions added to the pre-existing assumptions of sexism so the the assumption that you're slow that you're unaware of your surroundings that you're you're a disposable entity that there's no sense in trying to teach you the internet because you'd never figure it out anyways
3: you know i want to i want to chirp in here at this point is that uh, i would suggest to the six women that are on this panel with me that you have no idea what it's like to be a man. And it's, no, n- 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 it's, it's extremely painful t- to be treated as though you're a lecherous a le- old child molester, which is what I get if I say hello to people on the street. And I'm an open-hearted human being who ha- always says hello to people. And I want to tell you, I I understand that it that it is painful as an elder woman to be in this world. I just want to include the fact that it's painful to be uh, Mm an elder man in this society. And I get things like, interestingly, I had my car keys because I was going down to, and I'm 82 years old, which I'm sure everybody's heard my my, my pride of having another birthday last week, but, uh, I had my car keys in my hand and she says, the woman in the elevator with me says, are you still driving?
4: <laughs> That's a perfect example.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, uh, there's a, uh, a, I, I wanted to say one last thing. And that is that there was a woman, on Thursday night, I had my men's group meeting and that was my birthday party because my birthday was last Wednesday. You remember. Sorry?
1: I remember, it was your birthday last week.
3: Yeah, yeah. And and I'm on my way to, because it was in New West at the um, spaghetti factory, which is right in the New West terminal. So I didn't drive sky trains right outside my door practically and i'm on my way to the sky train to take go to my birthday party and, and there's a woman lighting a cigarette and I, I i'm i'm practicing not being judgmental so i didn't say anything about the here you are lighting a cigarette on yada 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 but in front of her was two plants beautiful plants and i said to her Golly, those plants are beautiful. And I don't want you to go away because she said, please, have one of these plants. Oh. Oh. I said, thank you so much.
4: That's an absolutely and gorgeous flower.
3: Yeah, it's a lily and I took it to my birthday party, uh, I, I found somebody to give me a, a plastic bag in the meantime so I could put it in a bag at least, but here I have this beautiful, beautiful plant. Uh, mm-hmm. and thank you. She herself was not a young chick, but uh, there you go. Mm-hmm.
2: And she didn't even know it was your birthday and she gave you a birthday present. That's right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
4: I think that your your example of the the assumption that all old men are are lecherous and um, need to be avoided because they're dangerous or controlled because their behavior is unbecoming it is absolutely uh, an example of how a, the uh, assumptions about ageism impact men. But it also kind it, and it is about sexism. It absolutely is not not because women have power over men. That's impossible, but it's about the. When, when we talk about sexism, we're talking about assumptions that are made about both men and women, and so we get the nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Boys will be boys, which is which works out well for men most of the time, but as as they age, that nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Boys will be boys becomes oh he's a dirty old man, but it, it's the same. It, it's still a. a an observation about men's sexuality that assumes that they have one, which for elder women we're not assumed to have one. As soon as we we stop having babies, we become completely desexualized. I mean, hey, look at how, many, how many women on TV have roles in it who are like over the age of forty? Almost none. But we have men active on television. We have men reading the news. Hey. into old age and, and long and wh- white hair, but we take women off the air reading the news as soon as they get a wrinkle. I wonder whether
3: these discriminations become self-fulfilling prophecies because I recently <laughs> I recently had uh, a, a man uh, say to me, is, is uh, you're still sexual at your age? And I, and I <laughs> said, yes, thank you, God.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I, I'm talking about uh, general assumptions, though. I'm not like in the sense that we lay, we, we give men a lot more um, leeway in terms of their sexual behavior in their youth. And so we, we don't deny the fact that men are sexual. We just decide that when they're old they're inappropriately sexual, <laughs> right? It's, it's But your your sexuality remains. Women's gets completely erased. It's <laughs> interesting, you know, when we talk about media, Lisa
0: Laflemme you can almost name the two women that have gray hair that are in media, but yet watching, I watch a lot of global and national news, you know, that many men who are, are gray-haired, who are older, they still have leading roles or they have assignment areas. So I think... Uh, yeah. It's being noticed. And so more people are, are pushing, mm-hmm. you know, pushing at the labels, pushing at the door. Uh, you're seeing CBC in particular working to become more inclusive. And a comment that some people have gotten now, there are these university students and also people working on their doctorate and working on different things that have asked me about commenting about seniors. And I said, come on the podcast and hear directly, because I think that all of us, when people say on your spins, I didn't know that people would know how to record like that. It's like, what do you think we lost our voice? (laughs) And so that's why I'm challenging and encouraging each of you who have Mm -hmm told a story or shared something to record it so that it can go on to our spins because people are noticing, wow, you know, their stories, their uh, um, essays. Some people have interviewed people, but I say I'm deputizing you. I don't have a, <laughs> a badge to get out, but interview other people because there are so mm. many stories of interesting things people have done that. We are like a, a it's a publication place. When people put things on the Internet, it becomes evergreen. Our podcast is also among the platforms that it's on. It's on YouTube, not the visual YouTube, just the words. So you make a statement ways that we make a statement about some of these assumptions is when Leslie talks about Japan and what she learned about the bathwater and uh, Dr. Ramona talks about people gathering and some of the customs at the holiday time. So I'm just encouraging each of you, uh, particularly this month, but um, June and July, we're going to be experimenting with either even more ways of communicating across the digital divide uh, and also being advocates for the people who say, no, I don't ever want to use the computer. I was at the, one of the senior meetings at Full Woman when a woman said, I don't want to go on the internet. They still need to keep a system where you can go in an office and see a person. It could be an older person. These people that people have retired at 65 could be people sitting at a special desk, giving people information that they were always accustomed to giving. So I think using our voices and pushing back about these practices, mm-hmm. you know, as most Mary has noted them down, the, these can be things that we can um, Meet. You know, Zoom allows for small groups of people to meet and plan and do things in a way that it might not have happened when everything was meeting uh, face to face. So I encourage you to instigate, meet, (laughs) talk about these things, and push back because if no one Mm -hmm. says anything, then they do just assume, oh, older people, older women, they don't, you know, they're passive. It doesn't bother them. If you don't, you don't dance, as that woman said. If you don't dance in an uncommon place or when people expect you to sit and be quiet, then they just say, oh, it's okay. You just treat that person as if they don't
3: exist. On the yeah. other hand, some of us get to the point where we say, hey, that's just the way the world is. There's no point in getting upset about it.
0: Not so much getting upset, but get creative because... The poem, we're going to have a poem that you share, but the power of poetry. You know, we've mm. talked about, you know, Rupert Kipling, so many poets, uh, Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth was a black woman, a suffragette. Most people just talk about her as a suffragette, but she was also a spy. And one of her quotes was, stimulate to educate, let the children live. It's a great advocate for um, mm-hmm. children being sold. Away. Her children, while she, one of her child, children was sold away while she was out working in the suffragette movement. And so, but she by speaking, there are people now who are picking up stories of soldier to truth and children who are writing stories. Um, mm-hmm. I'm attending today. Um, there's a conference of women in publishing, and a lot of people are writing children's stories and getting some of the issues and concerns, or they have grandparents parents uh, that they are encouraging to tell stories or read stories. So it's not our time to sit down. We who are vocal and creative can put things in the story. So Neil, do you want to share your poem?
3: Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to. This poem is called, Who is she to you? Who is she to you? A mother who deserves your respect because she is your mother the bearer and entry point into your existence. Who is she to you? A wife, a life partner, a lover, an advocate, someone who's got your back while you and her try to sort through all the pitfalls and convolutions of a relationship. Who is she to you? A daughter who merits your unconditional love not because she's perfect, but because unconditional love will teach her to love herself. Who is she to you? A sister who is there to drive you batty and to suffer together the experience of the truly crazy-making parents that you share. Who is she to you? A teacher who treated you with kindness when your playground experience was crumbling down around your ears. Who is she to you? The sales clerk who's had a difficult day with a world of kids, bosses, and God knows what, who deserves your patience because she's got a crummy job with crummy pay, and she's there to serve you. Who is she to you? She is someone who's been insulted, verbally abused, sexualized at a young age, and physically threatened at some time in her life just because she's female. Who is she to you? A person who deserves nothing less than your full respect as an equal human being with full rights to say yes or no. And have those choices heard and respected. That's who she is to you. That End of poem. So
0: <laughs> Thanks. And that, that was it, its <laughs> speechless because it's so powerful. It spoke to each of the things that Rosemary was pointing out of the civilization, so. lack mm-hmm. of appreciation. It really spoke to each of those things, uh-huh. powerfully. <laughs>
4: So I I unfortunately do have to leave you all, but I was just thinking about, I think it was Neil's remark about being in the elevator recently and having someone express shock that he had car keys in his hands. (laughs) I just want to say that my father, who used to drive in rallies as a young man at the age of 88, is still driving. And he got himself one of those little minis that reminds him, not the mini, the Fiat, the little tiny Fiat cars. That reminds him of the Mini Cooper. They used to take really tight corners on on hills <laughs> in rallies. And he his driving is impeccable. He passes the driver's test every year. I it's just got mine one of the things he does best.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and he's still alive and kicking and going strong. So I am I am I, I will never be shocked that my father is still driving. I will become worried when he isn't. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we have a couple of people that drive to the 411 center that are in their 80s and, you know, never Mm -hmm. had a ticket even. So this assumption that, you know, we're not good drivers. Far fewer accidents happen in our age group than happen in other age groups. That's true.
4: And another aspect, I'll just drop this one before I leave, is when I used to work at a church. There were a lot of church functions or meetings, especially for administrative purposes, you know, volunteers and stuff. And another way that ageism, or not even deliberate discrimination, but just not thinking about it, kind of played into the scheduling of these meetings. is often they were scheduled at times, they were either scheduled during the day when the only people who could attend were seniors. Uh, So working people in the congregation were completely left out of any opportunity to participate in in certain functions, or they were held after work hours in the early evening when some seniors who are challenged by night blindness couldn't drive to the the Mm -hmm. church. And in both instances, it was the clergy who had to remind people in the congregation that you have to think of everybody in the congregation when you're scheduling a meeting and what everyone's needs and capacities are and not just your peer group. And that really, when, when he led us in that teaching, that really expanded the participation of all the church members at various levels of, of the community. And that that I think is gonna be my last bit.
0: Yeah, I think with, with return to meetings, it gives all of us opportunity to express things like that. People need to find times that work for everyone. And also, a thought within our meeting. When we have these long periods of sitting, we have to do some moving. So I'm going to (laughs) put on our motion and movement. And it's a song that connects to... Women's But did someone, anyone else have a comment about Neil's poem before we go to that music? And we want to thank you so much, Rosemary, for taking time to uh, call. And thank you for being someone that brings a lot of, uh, she praises the, the volunteers, volunteers that have, have been at 411 for some years working on the tax clinic that's going to be
4: opening next week. Monday at 10 a.m. <laughs> but Monday, we, our clinic is Monday to Thursday. Um, from 10 AM to 2 PM. It starts this coming Monday, March the 7th and runs through April the 28th. And you can give us a call at 111 for an appointment. Uh, The phone number for 411 is 604-684-8171. And another feature uh, of where we combat um, ageism and encourage participation, our phones are answered by human beings. (laughs) <laughs> so there's no prompts, no push, 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 this, that, 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 uh, that is often one of the reasons why we get people coming into INR. It's not because they don't know how to make a phone call. It's not because they don't understand how CPP works. It's because they can't get through because of all the prompts. So our human beings answer our phones and um, the receptionist who answers the phone will be happy to book you an appointment for your income tax. Uh, Rosemary, you, Post, I, I
3: didn't just oppose you to you. So thank you for,
4: for, for it's good to see you again. Thank you. It's, I always enjoy your poems, so thank you for sharing. Thanks, dear. Have a good afternoon, everyone. Okay, You'll that too, girl too. is thank on fire. You. This girl is on thank fire. You, <laughs>
0: thank you, Rosemary. Thank you. So, although Rosemary is leaving, I'm going to ask you to stand up, move to Now we have our cardio up. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs>
1: that was you. That was
0: a lovely song. <laughs> it was Alicia Keys. And what I like about that one, all of the images that show so many roles to turn with the kids, <laughs> That's what right, I noticed too. <laughs> I hope I don't sound out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I belong to almost every Zoom group now is working toward at least having a three to five minutes where people get up and move during the hour because when we're sitting, we are mashing, you know, there's veins in our thighs that need to have blood. And so we're cutting off the oxygen. So getting up and dancing. uh, It also helps toward the steps. My brother with working and overcoming diabetes did 10,000 steps a day and I was struggling trying to make a thousand. But I found a record, a song. Frozen. It's about a step every minute, so I did 350. So I thought, if four times a day I play a record and I dance, then you know, I might not get to ten thousand, but it'll be closer than if I just sit all day. Share that. What song would that be? It's called "This Girl Is on Fire." Okay. By Alicia Keys. And is
1: that uh, is that the one that you dance to? That's.
0: Uh... Oh no! I put different things on because you know if you oh, go. If you go on YouTube and you just type in YouTube music uh-huh. and you say, I've been saying Caribbean jazz, reggae jazz. I found some fabulous music. And now there's another site called X-C-I-T-E. And Xcite, it's a platform like Crave. Uh, I don't even know how I got it. I was searching <laughs> and, and this thing came up. But what it is, it's, it's music and it's images. That, uh, so sometimes it's pictures people took, different from most things when you see an, uh, an audience, you know, performers on the stage, everything is just videotaping that. This, some people have got collated, kaleidoscope pictures, they've got water, they've got all kinds of things that go with the music. So it shows how a lot of people who might have a, a studio in their home. And people wouldn't make a video of them and they'd say, oh, you have to go to this place and you pay $2,000 to use the space. A lot of people who've got a perfectly good home studio, the images over it are just really, they're exciting. And this this, is, this platform is called Excite. But just any kind of music that you like, you can find it on YouTube and then you can dance to it and move to it.
1: Yeah, that's more uh, motivating.
0: hmm So... Next week we will be continuing our focus. Next week is a particular type of economic bias, and that is around entrepreneurship. As Rosemary said, there's this notion that people should retire at 65. I am the oldest client in the Midtown uh, Work BC office. <laughs> when I moved into Vancouver from LA, I had retired, you know, from teaching, but I still need to work. There's an assumption that everybody doesn't have a job that enables them to cost, you know, pay for the, this is the second most unaffordable city in the world. We heard last week that there's a five year wait for some of the supportive housing, that people are on the list. And then there's some things that you have to, for a co-op, you have to have a minimum income of 30,000. So a lot of people need to work and they need to work doing other things besides, some people said they sit, you know, do pet sitting. As each of you in the ways that you, speak and have written things or poems, they have a lot of knowledge. We've been showing we are reservoirs of knowledge, so it should be possible to get jobs where we're consulting on, doing things related to the reservoirs of knowledge. So these things that you record to go on to our spins are just the tip of the iceberg in uh, showing that off, so I'm encouraging you to think of things as we come for June and July. We want us to become even more a showcase of ways that people are reflecting that we are not passive, old, <laughs> uh, uncreative, etc. <laughs> uh, and so next week the speakers are people who have uh, have created a business, who are entrepreneurs, and they will be sharing. Some of the things that they do, and then the question that I ask each speaker is: aside from what you've done and the way that you've pressed back against the the bias you have experienced, what are things that other people can do? So next week you will be hearing from two people that are entrepreneurs that will be sharing that information with you.
3: Can I impose on the group for one minute? Or no, it's actually three minutes. I think I'm pushing the boundaries with my poetry and i have a poem that is called the cat and it's a visual ex- exploration I, i'd like some feedback on it, it this is really really best uh, heard with your eyes closed would you like to try it I, i'm i know i'm imposing on the group to stay a few minutes but uh i'd love to share this
0: no one's saying no
3: no one says go
0: for,
3: no. for it go for it the cat her mother taught her the hunt it begins with watching patiently watching the herd the gazelles were grazing fresh grass from last night's rain she watched And slowly moved a paw, placing it gently on a spot that would make no sound. Letting the swaying of the long grass hide her stealth. She watched for a sign. There was always a sign. Be it a twinge of the leg, a distraction by some less lush undergrowth. She knew the signs well, and she watched. Cat noticed the slight twinge of the gazelle as the gazelle moved to fresher grass. Something was causing a momentary lag, a slight hesitation. Age, a festering insect bite, an injured muscle. It didn't matter. Looking for this slight hesitation, Was why Cheetah watched. Her breath quickened. She stole into the long grass to get closer. Softly, ever so softly, the cat moved. She moved like shadows move when long grass catches the wind. The gazelle straightened, alert, smelling the wind. The Cheetah knew the scene. She knew her prey would wait a moment and then return to her forage. At the very moment when the gazelle dipped her head to graze, the chase was on. The cheetah burst forth from her camouflage and in an instant was at full speed. The gazelle heard and saw the danger she had felt. She bolted, also gaining top speed in an instant. The cat's powerful real legs were driving her forward while her front paws made sure of her direction, claws occasionally digging into the dirt to follow the nimble gyrations of the fleeing gazelle. Gazelle looked for an escape route, twisted left, leaping the remnants of a fallen tree, easily clearing the obstacle and again changing direction as she landed. Cheetah didn't notice she was using her tail for balance, nor did she notice the power of her muscles as the cat cleared the tree. She didn't notice her heart racing to supply aerated blood to the muscles, nor did she feel the adrenaline that spurred her forward. Her focus was totally on the twists and turns of her prey. Given enough time a gazelle can outrun a cheetah, the cat had to decide. Was it time to break off the chase or can the gazelle be caught? Using her last effort, she lunged forward and with a powerful swipe, her paw dug into the crop muscle just above the gazelle's tail. Gazelle kicked back hard and veered sharply to the left, breaking free. Cat remembered her mother's teaching and sprang an even tighter turn left. Along her prey now, she reached out, her claws digging deeply into the gazelle's flank, both falling to the ground, tumbling over and over. The gazelle struggled to rise up, but the cat was at her throat, crushing gazelle's windpipe with her powerful jaws. The gazelle kicked at the cat with sharpoos, but to no avail. After moments of struggle, the gazelle lay motionless. The chase was over and nature had run its course. There was no malice, no anger, no greed, no sadness. It was just another day at the office. Nature's way of maintaining balance was met. The cat will eat tonight and so will her kittens. End of form.
1: Amazing can actually see it. I can actually see the whole thing taking place.
2: You know. Yeah, there was some beautiful phrasing in there, Neo. Like uh she was it, she moved as a shadow moves. I thought that was yes, wonderful. Beautiful. And she yeah. gave me goosebumps.
5: Yeah. Very um, nice.
2: And the ending, no malice, no anger, no grief. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um it's very, very lovely, actually. Very nice. It's like you can actually see it all happening in front
1: of you, right? Very powerful imagery. Yeah, and and I closed my eyes, so that made it created a better effect. Wonderful poem, Neil. I totally agree. The imagery is wonderful. Yeah, I was uh, I was following every scene.
0: Beautiful. Well read, too. Well read yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing was that you know it was very painful because i was hoping the gazelle would get away mm-hmm. and we said yeah. no malice because when we look in every especially within the animal world and probably within humans too there are things that they do that seem inhumane to another species but it's the nature of the cat the cat eats <laughs> eats meat and it feeds its children
3: so it was just an interesting you know that's why I added the line, uh, the cat will eat tonight and so will her and kitten. And so will her
2: kittens,
1: That's really
3: right. what the, yeah. what the yeah. case was all about. Yes. Okay.
2: I must say, I was a little surprised because when you said the title was the cat, I was expecting it to be about a, a domestic cat. So Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Me
1: too>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I was hoping that the gazelle would escape because you were comparing two uh, animals that are really good, swift, and fast.
0: Yeah. And yeah so was, the- I was pulling for the gazelle when this computer was going backwards. I said, maybe Me it's too. a miracle the gazelle is going to Me start. too. I, was, I felt sorry. I felt sad for the gazelle. Really did. Yeah, thank, well, you
3: thank, so you, thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, uh, this is the joy in my life, is r- r- writing and reading, my sharing my words. It's sharing my ideas. This is where where the joy comes into my life. So thank you. Thank See, you. Thank it you. It
1: brings thanks. us a lot of joy also. So thank you, Neil.
0: And so next week we can continue with, Neil writes a poem every week. So that could be a, a, a work because I know others of you write poems, memoirs, stories. I'm looking to hear them and hear them in episodes. Oh, so this conference that I'm attending, Women in Publishing, they have said there's an increase very much a market increase in audiobooks. And so since we have the technology and the means to do it, remember, uh, Jesse will make some times available, I'll make some times available, and we usually do the recordings on Tuesday. So just think about things that are, you know, three to eight minutes long. Each person can have up to 15 minutes in their particular part of of the easy listening part of our Powered by Age Webcast. So, just let me know, and we will get them. I want to see the blanketed, the easy listening section. People say, "Oh, you have to get to that easy listening section on the powered by Age website." So, I will see you all again next week and hear what you bring to the table. Remember that, invite a friend. Thank you, people. Love Thank, you. You Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Everyone.
2: Lovely poem, Lee. Thank you. Was a beautiful poem.
0: Really enjoyed listening two beautiful ones thank you it
1: was very nice very
0: very nice salam
3: at Paul
1: thank you